Welcome to this Burlington Audio Podcast. We hope you will be encouraged and inspired in your faith as you listen to this message. We'd love to hear what you think. Please be in touch with us through the website. More information and many more podcasts are all at burlingtonbaptist.org.uk. Thanks for listening. Fantastic. Why is it that Simon Harris always leaves the country when England beat Wales at rugby? There's a pattern there. You want to watch out for it, okay? So he leaves a a fellow Welshman to take all the pain and the agony and the grief um, from it as well. Uh, Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word. By your Holy Spirit, would you, your divine spirit, just connect with our human spirit this morning and speak life to us and hope to us. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Now, I wonder if you've ever thought of giving up. (laughs) How many times this week have you thought of giving up? I wonder if you've ever thought that enough is enough, that you've just had it up to here, or up to here, or up to here, or up to here. I'm with Garfield. For sanity reasons, I've decided to give up giving up. You know, even as the chief exec of an international relief and development organization that was punching holes in the darkness in over a hundred countries around the world and seeing thousands of people coming to Christ and over a million children receiving shoeboxes every year, it might surprise you to know that some days I wanted to give up. Some days I was losing heart. You know, the challenge as an executive director, as a chief exec, is actually nobody brings you the easy problems to solve. They can solve them by themselves. It's the difficult, intangible problems that landed on my desk all of the time. And many days, I would find it difficult to find the motivation. You might say that I had lost heart, that even though I was surrounded by a cloud of great witnesses and fantastic work going on all around the world, my heart would be low and would sink within me. Maybe you're sat here this morning and you've lost heart. Maybe you've lost heart in your work The thought of going back in tomorrow and sending another email, of sitting through another meeting, of serving another person at the uh, the checkout, of teaching another class, of writing another project plan is just too daunting for you. Maybe you've lost heart in your home, somewhere that was once safe to go to and secure, now is a difficult place for you to be. Or maybe you've lost hope in your marriage and there are difficult conversations to be had and difficult challenges that you've faced. Or in your relationships with your mum or your dad or your kids, maybe you've lost hope in church. Maybe you've lost sight of the vision of what we're trying to achieve or some of the relationships have gone a bit awry and your heart just sinks. Or maybe you've lost uh, hope in God's presence and lost heart that God will ever show up 
for you again, that you may ever sense the touch of his Holy Spirit on your life like you used to. Maybe you've just lost heart. It's hard, isn't it? We're bombarded by trouble and surrounded by trouble every day. Every time we turn on the radio or the television, it seems to be bad news. And the world just seems to be changing so fast. Everything that was certain seems to be now uncertain. Everything seems to be being redefined. Marriage, gender, sexuality, morals, expectations. That's not to mention Brexit or Trump. Ipso Mori, the polling agency, did a poll of over 2,000 people in 20 countries around the world in 2015. And they asked the question, what do you think about the future prospects for your young people in your country? It might surprise you to think that more people thought that the future would be worse for their young people than better. In fact, across those 20 countries, 42% of people thought that the future would be worse and only 32% thought the future would be better. Even in Sweden and Germany that have great economies, good education for their children, you are twice as likely to be pessimistic about the future for young people than you were optimistic for the future. In the UK, sadly, only 20% of people thought that the future would get better for young people and 54% thought that it would get Worse, we're definitely a glass half empty nation in this particular survey. We see loneliness on the increase, don't we? Radio 4 is about to start a whole series on loneliness in our community and exploring it. We see mental health on the increase, although isn't it great that people are starting to talk about that and be open about it. We see child poverty on the increase. Just this week it was announced that a million children will now fall out of the safety net of free school meals in the UK. I think some of us have just given up listening, really, to the news and and we turn it off because actually it's too much hard news for us. And instead we cuddle up under the proverbial duvet to weather the storm and to watch the telly and to binge on box sets and Netflix, hoping that it will all go away from the security of our homes. Why do I even bother is the cry of our hearts. And sometimes this loss of heart just visits us, doesn't it? It comes unexpectedly, maybe in the middle of the night. And then maybe sometimes it flees away as quickly as it came. But sometimes it seems to stay and comes to linger. We're like Grandpa Flump. Do you ever remember him? With the dark clouds uh, settling over our heads all day. Many of us have been uh, watching uh, and listening to Simon Thomas in recent days. Simon Thomas was the Blue Peter uh, presenter. He's a Christian. He went on to present Sky Sports News and the football on a Saturday afternoon. He would be hosting that. And tragically, in November last year, um, his wife, Gemma, uh, died. They had three days' notice of a rare blood cancer, and she just died. And he was left with an eight-year-old boy. And on Friday, he posted a blog post which talked about the depression that he'd faced and the grief that he'd faced and the anxiety that he'd faced. And he was open about how he'd lost heart. 
So in the midst of that, what has God got to say to us? What does he have to say to us? Because we need some answers, don't we? If we're losing heart, we need God's word to speak into us and bring life into us, to bring hope into us and to restore our souls. The context here in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 is it's Paul's second letter to the Corinthian church. Following his first letter, there had been some false teachers and apostles that had invaded the church and they were challenging Paul's personal integrity and authority. Following that, he'd written a severe letter to them, which we don't have published. And Paul was concerned about its impact on them as a church. So he travels to Macedonia and there he meets Titus, Titus his protege. And Titus brings some really good news of an improved situation in Corinth, which pleases Paul. And in that context, he writes this letter. And he spends much of the letter explaining the joys and the sufferings of living as a Christian and the the, uh, rewards and high calling of being in Christian ministry. You know, Paul, um, more than anybody really, knew the demands of ministry being too much to bear. He wrote in 2 Corinthians 1 first 8 at the beginning of this letter, we do not want you to be uninformed brothers and sisters about the troubles we experience in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure far beyond our ability to endure so that we despaired of life itself. Indeed we felt we had received the sentence of death. I think Paul was having a pretty rough time don't you? He goes on though In chapter 7 and verse 5. For when we came into Macedonia, we had no rest, but we were harassed at every turn. Conflicts on the outside, fears within. Which kind of reminded me of that song by Reservoir Dogs. Clowns on the left of us, jokers to the right, standing in the middle with you. He's got everything going on, attacking him from every side, challenging him from every side. But listen to this in 2 Corinthians 11, 23 to 29. This just takes my breath away as I read it. I've worked much harder, been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, and be exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I've been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, in danger from false believers. Poor guy. I've labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I've known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I've been cold and naked. And besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of concern for you lot, all my churches. Who is weak and I don't feel that weakness? Who is led into sin and I don't feel it and inwardly burn? And then Paul says, for this reason, we do not lose heart. What reason, Paul? What reason have you got to say that we do not lose heart? You're in danger on the left, in danger on the right, in danger from behind, in danger from in front. You're hungering, you're thirsting, you're feeling the weight of pastoral ministry. And yet you're able to say, therefore, for this reason, we do not lose heart. Well, I believe in this passage, uh, Paul gives us five reasons 
why we do not lose, lose heart. And five very practical things that you can do if you ever find yourself starting to lose heart. Would you like to know what they are? Okay, cool. <laughs> so would I. Okay, so firstly he says, be thankful, seek God's glory, because grace is reaching more and more people. Verse 15, therefore we do not lose heart. Always be thankful, seek God's glory, because his grace is reaching more and more people. You see, our ultimate purpose in this life is that the grace of God reaches more and more people. And Paul had that in mind. He was focused on it. It was at the heart of his ministry. He could face up to the dangers from the left and the dangers from the right, the dangers from the Jews, the dangers from the Gentiles, because he knew that the grace of God was reaching more and more people. It's been wonderful, hasn't it, to see on social media people who've joined in the thankful campaign in January, people posting things that they're thankful for, their kids, their food, even in the midst of Daniel fast going, we're thankful for our food, we're thankful for the children around us, we're thankful for the good things in our life, and that's fantastic. And also, um, people have started thankfulness jars. Who's got a thankfulness jar? Yeah, fantastic. Putting things in there, reminding us of the gratitude for the things that we need to give thanks to God for. I love this quote. It's not happy people who are thankful, it is thankful people who are happy. And Paul knew this because he gave thanks that the grace of God was reaching more and more people. We have the biggest and most important reason to be thankful because God's grace is in us like treasure in jars of clay for us to share and give away to those around us. And it's all for God's glory. Now, you might say, I don't see the grace of God reaching more and more people or many people around us. But look at the stats. Look at the stats. This is the the growth of the evangelical population from 2005 to 2010. And blue is where evangelical growth is faster than population growth. The grace of God is reaching more and more people. Now, it might not be happening as much in our backyard. In fact, we in the States are the only people that are yellow. We just live in the wrong place. The grace of God is reaching more and more people. The growth of Christians, 3 billion nearly, 2.7 billion Christians around the world. The grace of God is reaching more and more people. And therefore, we give thanks and we have gratitude in our hearts. And we remember our purpose is to take that grace of God, which is like treasure in our hearts and treasure in us, and share it with other people, to share it with those around us, to celebrate. Uh, There's an organization up in Bradford called Christians Against poverty. You may have heard of it. It rescues people out of debt around the country. And every time someone comes out of debt, they ring a bell. And every time someone comes to Jesus, they ring another bell and they celebrate. I think we should be having fireworks when people come to know Jesus. Baptism's great. It's absolutely fantastic. But I want some indoor fireworks. I want some celebration because the grace of God is reaching more and more people. And so when we see Jason baptized through impact here, we remember the grace of God is reaching more and more people. And therefore, we're thankful and we give thanks and we give God the glory. And therefore, we do not lose heart. 
And when we see people from Feet for the Street coming and baptizing their uh, homeless friends, we give thanks because the grace of God is reaching more and more people. Alan Cutting is, um, uh, runs the Raising Families program for Samaritan's Purse. Last year, they saw 4,000 people come to faith in Christ through that program in over five countries, through the work that Alan is involved in. The grace of God is reaching more and more people. Last year, um, sorry, over the last five years, 10 million people have come to faith through the internet on a program called Search for Jesus, where people are just searching for hope and have given their lives to Jesus. Look around you here. Look at the people who are here because you've shared your lives with them. Look at the people who are here because you've shared the grace of God with them. And give thanks. This is why we do not lose heart, because the grace of God is reaching more and more people. Secondly, Paul says... When you find yourself losing heart, speak out your faith. Speak out your faith. It is written, I believe, therefore I have spoken. This is verse 13. Since we have the same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak. Because we know that one, the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with, present us with you to himself. Romans 10 verses 9 to 13 says, If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. There's a spiritual principle here where God calls us to speak out our faith. And when we're losing our heart, what tends to happen is we become silent. And we become inward looking and we search our souls and we withdraw into ourselves. And Paul says, no, speak out what you believe. Declare it. It is truth. It is good news. Proclaim it. And so I think quiet times should be called loud times. Okay, where we don't just sit and read our Bibles, but we we walk around our rooms and we declare that Jesus is Lord. We declare his goodness. We declare that Satan has no space here, that he has no um, uh, sovereign uh, oversight of us, that Jesus is Lord. We declare it with our mouths. We speak it out. Find some great passages of scripture and start speaking them out this week. If your heart is down, if you're losing heart, then find something like Psalm 116. I love the Lord for he heard my voice. He heard my cry for mercy because he turned his ear to me. I will call on him as long as I live. Speak it out. Find the hill song, uh, song I believe. Sing it in the shower if you must. Sing it going down the street. Sing it in the car. Declare it in the car. Declare it in the street. Now be careful, okay? We don't want you, everybody thinking you're all nutters, okay? But, but, but shout <laughs> it out. Declare it out. The word of God is powerful and active. And if you're losing heart, form the habit of taking the scripture and speaking it out loud. It's a really simple thing, but it will revolutionize how you feel. Declare the truth. Declare the goodness of God. Paul says, I believed Therefore, I have spoken. There's great power in reading that out. There's great power in speaking truth because it is truth. 
and it liberates and it restores and it heals and it sets free and it makes new. And when we share our testimony, we have the same impact as well. When we share the good news and the story of what God has done in our lives and we speak it out, then it restores our soul and it speaks hope and life to us individually as well. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Therefore, we do not give up because God's grace is reaching more and more people as we speak out our faith. Thirdly, Paul says, renew your spirit daily. Though outwardly we are wasting away, and I'm a prime example of it, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. What a promise that we can come to the creator of the universe, the almighty God, every day and have our spirits renewed. That the divine spirit of God wants to connect with our human spirit on a daily basis. The chances are that if you've lost heart, that then this habit of soaking in God's presence has gone and vanished and disappeared for your life. And there's a gap between your reality and what should be be true. But the good news is God's longing, his heart for you, his desire for you is that every day you would have your spirit renewed as you come to him and as you soak in his presence and as you let the word of God go deeply into you. He wants you to experience renewal, to experience the goodness of his presence, to be renewed daily. I want that, don't you? I want that, I want that renewal in my spirit on a, on a daily basis. And, 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 and we just need to ask because this is God's desire for us. Fourthly, God says, keep your problems in perspective. The Israelites were camping They had tents, they were camping in 1 Samuel 17, they were camping in the valley of Elah. And every day they woke up, they made their breakfast, they looked out, and on the opposite mountain of the valley was Goliath. Nine foot tall giant with two massive spears and a javelin and huge armor. And every day they looked out and he just got bigger and bigger and bigger in their sight. Come out and fight me, he shouted at them. I dare you, come out and fight me. And Goliath just loomed large in their view. They didn't know what to do. And along comes this puny shepherd boy, David. And they say to him, you're only a boy. You can't fight this giant. And David says to them, you come to me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies. Israelites' problems had just got bigger and bigger and bigger in their view, and God had got smaller and smaller and smaller. And David comes along and said, we do this in the name of the Lord of heaven's army. Paul says here, for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them. I want you to think for that about a minute. Our light and momentary troubles achieve for us a glory which far outweighs them. Wow, how heavy are your troubles right now? 
Because when God comes along, that happens. Because actually, what is happening is that our current troubles will be far outweighed in glory. So if you feel burdened and you feel weighed down right now, then they are producing a glory that will far outweigh them. And therefore, we get perspective. And therefore, we do not give up. That doesn't mean to say that our problems are trivial. They're not trivial. They are real problems, and they are real issues. But God wants us to get them in perspective. This is not our home. We are only passing through. He is creating in us a glory that will long last outside of this life. And lastly, Paul says, keep an eternal perspective. So we fix our eyes not on what is, uh, what is seen, but on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is seen is eternal. As I've gone around the world, I often ask people where their home is. Some people will answer that very quickly. They'll say Calgary or Monrovia or Vancouver or, or London. For some people, it's a much more difficult question to answer. They've moved around. They've been missionary kids. They don't know where their home is. The story is told of a missionary, a missionary who'd been in Africa for the whole of his life planting churches. And at the end of his time planting churches, he's on a boat back to America. And he gets on the boat and he finds out that Abraham Lincoln, the U.S. president, is also on the boat back from, America, from Africa to America. And he's been on safari in Africa for three weeks. So missionary, he's been there all his life planting churches. Abraham Lincoln on the boat, coming back and... Um, and I've got the Roosevelt it was, not, yeah, it was Roosevelt, not Lincoln. It was Roosevelt, yeah. He was on his way back, and um, he, um, he'd been in, in shooting in Africa for three weeks, and the, uh, the missionary had been there for the whole of his life. And the missionary's on the back, and they're on the boat, and they're coming back, and they sail into New York Harbor. And as they're coming into New York Harbor, the gangplank goes down and the president starts marching off the boat. And as the president starts marching off the boat, the band starts playing and the flag starts waving. And there's great jubilation and there's fantastic joy. And then it all stops. And the missionary comes off the boat to no celebration and no bands and no great joy. And the missionary turns to God and he whispers to God and he says... God, I'm so angry. Why come, how come the president was in Africa for three weeks and he gets a brass band and flags and all this welcome and I was there for all my life serving you, planting churches, and I get nothing. And God whispered to him, my son, my son, always remember, you're not home yet. And one day, when we enter glory, there will be a band and there will be flags and there will be celebration and there will be the words, well done, my good and faithful servant. As we remember that this is just a land that we were passing through. This is just a place where we are sojourners. This is just a place where we call home, but it is not 
yet our home. Because one day we will be there to celebrate with him. We will look back on what happened in this life and say to Satan, was that all you could do? We will look back and we will see our momentary and our small troubles in the light of the eternal glory that God gives us. And so we will remember, like Paul says, that therefore we do not lose heart. We do not lose heart because the grace of God is reaching more and more people. We do not lose heart because we speak out and we declare God's goodness every day. We do not lose heart because our momentary problems are only temporary and they're fleeting away. We do not lose heart because we keep an eternal perspective. We do not lose heart because we have this treasure in jars of clay that we carry around with us. Our God is good and he wants to renew us every day to bring us into his presence, to fill us with his spirit, to set us up to meet the challenges of that workplace tomorrow, to set us up to meet the challenges of our home, to fill us with his spirit, to witness to those around us, to bring the grace of God around us because we face a task unfinished that drives us to our knees, a task that undiminished rebukes our slothful ease. We who rejoice to know thee, renew before thy throne the solemn pledge we owe thee to make, go and make thee known. O Father who sustained them, O Spirit who inspired, Savior whose love constrained them to toil with zeal untired, from cowardice defend us, from lethargy awake, forth on thine errand send us to labor for thy sake. Jesus invites us this morning to give him our troubled hearts. He invites us this morning to give us, give him our troubled hearts. In John 14 verses 1 to 3, he says, Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have not told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Jesus invites you to give him your troubled heart today. But you know, there's an elephant in the room. And that's, well, what if I give Jesus my troubled heart and he doesn't come through for me? What if God doesn't come through for me? I've done this so many times and I don't see any change in my circumstances. I see nothing uh, changing. I see the problems which I've always had always being there. I see nothing transpiring. My problems are still as big as they were yesterday. There are these beautiful verses in Habakkuk 3, which may be for you this morning. As I was praying, uh, they came very strong to me, actually. Habakkuk chapter 3, verses 17 to 19. Though the fig tree does not bud, and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails, and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. And there is great joy in finding faithfulness in the midst of trouble. 
there is great joy in finding the presence of Jesus Christ in the midst of our striving. There is great joy in him renewing our strength every day in the midst of challenge. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to tread on the heights. Whatever your challenge, whatever your issue that's causing you to lose heart, Jesus invites you to give him your troubled heart this morning. What might it look like if we said yes? I had the great privilege this week of being in Holland and listening to a group of uh, refugees and migrants who'd fled into Europe over the last five years. And one of them was a Kurdish young man. Uh, He'd fought with the Peshmerga, uh, fighting into uh, Iraq, and he'd fled to Holland. And there he was befriended by an Iranian. Now, anybody who knows any about political history, Kurds and Iranians, it's a bit like Ipswich and Norwich. No, it's much worse than Ipswich and Norwich. It's much worse than England and Wales, okay? I mean, it is horrendously bad. The Kurds hate the Iranians. The Iranians hate the Kurds. They fight like mad, okay? So this Kurdish refugee arrives in Holland and is befriended by an Iranian Muslim who's converted to Christianity who welcomes him into his house, who ministers to him in the name of Jesus, who leads him to Christ over the process of, process of six months, baptizes him alongside the 29 other Kurds that he's led to Christ over the last five years in Holland. Incredible testimony from an Iranian who'd fled persecution in his home country, found himself in the Netherlands and understood the truth that it's the grace of God reaching more and more people which causes thanksgiving and us to give glory to God. And he is witnessing to the goodness of God in the midst of a dreadful situation. He could be sat there, couldn't he, going, I've had to leave home. I'm a refugee. God's abandoned me. I'm sat here in Holland. What on earth should I do? But no, He's sharing the good news of Jesus Christ with Kurdish Christians, with Kurdish non-Christians who are their natural enemies of the Iranians and leading them to Christ. That's what it looks like if we say yes to Jesus to meet us in our troubled place and to instead fix our purpose on sharing the good news of Jesus Christ with those around us. Here are some really practical ways in which you can say yes this week. Firstly, you can cultivate an attitude of thanksgiving. Why don't you find something that you can do that's really practical every time you hear about someone coming to faith? Fireworks in your back garden? (laughs) Maybe something in your thank you jar? Maybe ring a bell? Blow a whistle? do a happy dance, whatever it is, find something that you can cultivate that actually recognizes that the happiest thing in the whole world is that we know our friends and family coming to know Jesus Christ. And let's rejoice and give thanks. Secondly, find a passage of scripture and speak it out daily. It will do amazing things for your soul. Or find the Hillsong song and start singing it in the shower. But do something that expresses the goodness of God to you and speak it out. Thirdly, determine in your heart to come to God daily for renewal. 
Fourthly, get some perspective on your problems. Maybe you need to talk to a friend. These things that have been weighing on your heart, that have been causing you to lose heart, you just need to go and talk to someone. Maybe you just need to take a walk. Maybe you like to come and get prayer at the end of the service. And fifthly, how can you learn to live in the light of eternity? One of the things I was struck with by the refugees coming through Europe was actually, unlike when we were giving people who were settled um, houses or cookers or gas stoves, refugees travel lightly. When they were coming through Europe, all they wanted was a backpack because they recognized that they weren't home yet. They were just traveling through. Where have the things of this world weighed you down and you've lost perspective that you're just traveling through. You're just a sojourner, and just like the missionary who went back to New York, you're not home yet. In the silence, just think through which one of those would Jesus' invitation to you be this week? Which one of those would he have you do this week? Just let's take a moment's silence just to think that through. And if your response is to... um, Just give back to Jesus your troubled heart. Would you do that just now in the silence? Lord Jesus, I just give you my troubled heart this morning. And I'm asking that you would fill me with a heart of gratitude. That you would renew my spirit. I'm sensing there are some people for who that prayer, Lord, just renew my spirit, needs to be a cry of your heart this morning. And if that's you, would you just stand and we'll pray for you. Lord, renew my spirit this morning. My heart's been down. Would you just renew my spirit this morning? Just take a moment to stand if you want to ask God to do that, just to renew your spirit this morning. He's a faithful, loving, compassionate God. And where your heart's got down and you've lost heart, Lord, would you just renew my spirit? Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Descend on this place. Renew our hearts. Renew 